The gospel today is um, kind of, I would say, um, a recitation of some of the, what we may call the sins of the pious. And I hope that you all are pious. You're here, right? You're coming to Mass. When I say pious, I mean those who do see value in getting to Mass and want to receive Holy Communion in a state of grace or frequent with confession or praying and trying your best at least to have something of a spiritual life. So let's just say we're all pious, all right? <laughs> at least by the evidence here today. And it's important to see that because Jesus addresses this parable. It says, Jesus address this parable to the chief priest and to the elders of the people. So in other words, the religious leaders, but also by extension, those who we would call the religiously observant, the pious. Now, there are certain sins which are common to all of humanity, but which we, who I would hope are religiously observant, can fall into uh, even in the very practice of our, of our piety. These ones I will list simply to you as lost connections and leaping to conclusions and lip service. These are the three things that Jesus speaks of today in this parable. So let's take a look at them. And as I say, this, these are common to all of humanity. But for us who would be religiously observant, there's something to be particularly on guard about. Because there's a danger that in being religiously observant, we sort of reduce the faith to just checking off a few boxes, and then we don't go much deeper. We don't look more deeply into our heart, into our real need for conversion, and look, look at some of the stuff that's going on down there, deep down. And um, why? Well, part of it is because, well, I go to Mass, I say the rosary, I, you know, I put some money in the poor box, you know, I'm done there, you know, we don't go any deeper. Okay. Now, I don't say we all do this, and there's nothing wrong with those acts of piety, but the danger to avoid is the call to go deeper. Now, the first, if you will, sin that's described here is what we might call lost connections. Lost connections. I don't know that it's intrinsical to the parable, but it just leaps out to me that Jesus begins the parable by saying there was a man who had two sons. So he has two sons and one father. These two sons in some way are very different. One is burly, disrespectful to his father, non-compliant. Don't tell me what to do, old man. You know, I won't go. I don't want to go. I'm not going to go. And then there's the other who is outwardly very compliant. Says, yes, sir. I will go, sir. And uh, we find out later he doesn't go. But the point is, just, just looking here at the opening of the parable, a man had two sons, and they're different. But they have this in common. First of all, they, 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 they have one father together. And then there's also, I think, within both of them, a spirit of rebellion. It's just that one is more obvious than the other. And we have to go beyond just mere appearances when we look into our own hearts about many things. A man had two sons. Why do I emphasize this? Because you see, it's so easy for us to sever the link that we have between people in our life who we might say are easy to get along with and who are um, religiously observant or what have you, but, um, but uh, then we, we kind of write other people off who we don't like, that we're irritating. Or sometimes we divide out the human family by... 
along racial lines or ethnic lines or uh, political lines or whatever, you know, you name it. We, we have all these ways that we put people into tribes. But you see, there's a man who had two sons, one father, two sons, or however you else you want to divide out the human family, us, them, you know, not us, those folks over there. And this is a mistake because we all have one father. Take uh, maybe a couple of examples. Uh, someone that you may, you, some of you may have driven here today and you drove past perhaps a liquor store or two and you might have seen the guys hanging out in front. Uh, maybe other areas, you know, <laughs> you might have seen the, the ladies out there. <laughs> so as, as our, the, Jesus mentions the tax collectors, the prostitutes, or in this case, you know, the, the, uh, the boys in the hood and so on. And we can say, tis, 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 some people's children. I tell you, I don't know about where this world's coming from. Look at all this stuff going on in the city. And we can go quickly into that mode. And there is much to lament. But that said, it's even more true that whoever those people are, those men or women that we might have seen or I'll give you other examples in a moment, but they're my brothers, they're my sisters, they're your brothers and sisters. We're, we have one father. And so again, the danger, especially for those of us uh, who are religiously observant, might be to say, well, the great unwashed, them. The scribes and the Pharisees were forever saying, oh, the, uh, they don't follow the law. You know, we follow the law. But they, they're not so good at following the law. They break the rules. They don't always fulfill every obligation. And, um, well, then you're the religious leaders. Maybe you ought to try to help them. What do you think? Maybe teach them? The great unwashed. See, Not my brothers, not my sisters. Yes, I'm sorry to say they are your brothers and sisters. We've all got nuts falling out of our own family tree, but we've also got nuts falling out of the human family tree, too. <laughs> Now, I'm not one of them, of course. Okay. Or in our own family, there might be some, some troublemakers. I, I don't mean maybe in direct siblings, but just in our extended family. And we can be like, mm. see, and forgetting that, no, we don't just have similar relatives, but we have God as our father together. Um, people who have different political views and different approaches to how they think problems should be solved, you know, again, us, them. But they're my brothers and my sisters. So what we want to do is um, be careful not to lose connections, not to just disown people. Regarding the Holy Eucharist, which we're focusing on this year, we, we all receive the one body and the one blood. We become one in Christ. And there are going to be some differences among us. In any human body, there's, there are kidney cells, and there are liver cells, and skin cells. And so we all have slightly different functions and roles. And there are even some things that aren't going so well in our body from time to time, but it's still my body, right? <laughs> Mine just gains weight by driving past the McDonald's, all right? you know. But it's still all me, it's still all me, somewhere. We need to be careful not to lose our connection with one another. We believe when we come here to Mass that we celebrate a unity in Christ. 
One of the things that I think is very evident in this country, if you go to most Catholic parishes throughout this country, is that it looks like the United Nations. And well, it should, because the Catholic Church is universal. We go to every land, every people, every nation. All are welcome to come repent and believe in the good news of the gospel. And so again, we, here comes everybody. Now we're all called to repent. We're all called to follow the gospel, but we're all called. And there's one Father who's Lord of all and has made us all. Now, I think as a sin of the pious, this sin is maybe a little less obvious today because many years ago, when some of us were children, you know, those who went to church, we were the big majority. You know, the vast number of Americans used to go to church every Sunday, and everyone had their, their church, their, their minister, their priest, and um, were expected to. Decent people go to church, except for some of those other people who don't, just a few of them. Now I think the tables are turned. Very few of us go to church, and the vast majority uh, don't go to church. And so maybe it's a little less obvious today. We're kind of the, are you crazy? You still go to church? What's your problem? Don't, don't, that's crazy. Who goes to church anymore? You know. So in a way, the tables are turned, but still we can say, oh, that ne'er-do-well son or daughter, that cousin, that brother, that si-. you know, we can get like that and forget, okay, they probably should come to church. And, well, they should. In fact, it's a mortal sin to miss Mass on Sunday. But as I say, somewhere, don't forget, this really is my brother. This really is my sister. And I ought to love them and want to restore them to the church, the liturgy, the sacraments, the word of God and prayer. All right. So, again, the main thing we want to say is we can get very impatient with the non-compliant. And uh, this is one of the sins of the pious. And maybe instead of becoming impatient, we should just prayerfully work for or pray that someone can bring them back. All right. And love them. Tell them our concerns. And uh, do what we can. We can't fix everybody's problems. But at the end of the day, a man had two sons, and they were different. But he loved them both, and they were both his sons. The second sin of the pious we might call it is leaping to conclusions. See, one of the things uh, about religious observances, and we Catholics have it in abundance, we have lots of externalities in our faith that can demonstrate certain, a certain piety, lighting candles, praying the rosary, coming to mass, uh, saying novena prayers, uh, you know, and so on, processions. And these are ways that we demonstrate our piety. And, but I would say to you that the danger is that they're externalities. And they don't always show what's really going on in the depths of every heart. Now, let's look at the gospel here. It says the father, if you were to just look at this gospel, the one son is nasty to his face and says, I ain't going, old man. And the other one says, yes, sir, I'll go. And if you just stop the story there, it looks like, hey, that one son's a troublemaker and the other one, is a, he's a good son. Now, you know the rest of the story, though. The, the so-called good son didn't actually go and do it. The, the so-called bad son came to his senses repented, and went and did what his father said. And so you see, the danger of leaping to conclusions is that sometimes we look only to externalities of what we can sort of observe, that some people seem like good people, and other people, they're bad. 
And the danger is that it's not always that simple. You and I, for example, know people who we grew up with, perhaps, and so on, who were very religious, very pious and at one point in their life, and now they haven't seen the inside of a church for years, and they're all wandered off into some kind of sinful thing. You also know, as I do, people who earlier in life looked like, like ne'er-do-wells. They weren't going to make it. They, they were troublemakers. They were doing whatever, you know, running the streets, and they came to their senses, and now they're, they're with God. And we know everything in between. The, the scripture says in 1 Samuel that God, man sees the appearance, but God looks into the heart. And appearances can be deceiving. There can be those who are sort of outwardly very pious and loving, but they have some real inner struggles that may not be obvious. The sins of some people are very obvious. Public drunkenness, living together outside of marriage, whatever. Others' sins are more hidden, more secret. But we all struggle to some degree. None of us are all there. And so I simply say that perhaps rather than leaping to conclusions about a person, that a better thing to do is to say, well, we're all a mixed bag. Now, some people's sins are more obvious and maybe more uh, obviously harmful than others. But at the end of the day, we're all kind of a mixed bag. Sometimes we promote people to heroism just because of some externally religious things. For example, there was a priest many years ago. Some of you may remember, I won't mention his name just out of discretion, but he was well known to many, many people. He was on the preaching circuit. He was on EWTN TV. He was just all over the place. Father this, oh, Father's the greatest. He's, the, he's, free. he's really out there preaching. Boy, what a story. And man, look at his life. And then all of a sudden, he disappeared and from sight and come to find out that um, he had a lot of bad stuff going on. You know, he was with a woman and using pretty heavy drugs, embezzling a lot of money. But how could this be? Look at how he preached. How could he preach like that? And I just say to you, sometimes we, we leap to conclusions just because people are talking holy stuff doesn't always mean that everything is holy. And just because some people are struggling doesn't always mean that God ignores their hearts. It says in the book of Sirach, judge no one before they die because it is by, their, by, by, by the end of their life that a person is known. And so we see again there can be ups and downs and twists and turns in life and maybe the better thing is to hold each other in reverence and say we better all pray for one another. I think it was St. Francis of Assisi who used to say when people noted his holiness that he says, don't, he says, pray for me. He says, I may yet be the father of many children. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that meant he was thinking he was struggling with chastity or what, but he was just trying to say, look, all of us are like one or two sins away from a hell hole. And the thing is that um, we need to lift each other up in prayer. But why is this a sin of the pious? Well, again, because sometimes these things mislead us. So you're here at Mass. God bless you all. But I know that all of you, I don't know personally, but I know that all of you, just because you're human, have your struggles with sin too. And some of them might be some serious matters. But thank God you're here. But this is a hospital. It's not a place of the perfect. It's a hospital. And we're all here because we need to be here. 
You don't usually think when you walk into the doctor's office or the emergency room down there in the waiting room that, oh, look, everybody here is healthy. This is a great move. Everyone, look at that. Everyone cares about their health here. It's just the opposite, right? And so, again, I simply say to you that there's a lot of externalities among the pious, which are good. Pray your rosary. Get in the procession when we go around the park. Come to Mass every Sunday. Light the candles. Do all those things. But also recognize that those could be misleading. Maybe someone's lighting a candle because they really need to. <laughs> and again, I just simply say for all of us, don't become cynical. Oh, everyone's just living a double life. That's not true either. But don't leap to conclusions just because of certain religious observances or externalities. There's got to be something deeper that this is working on and either coming from or working back to. And that leads to the third sin, lip service. You see, the danger for us is that we reduce the faith to externalities or certain little check-off-the-box moments. And again, we see that the, the good son, the at least observ observably good son, gave his father, yes, I'll go. But he was lip service. He didn't actually go and do it. He just sort of blew it off. And there's some folks that can come to church and shout and sing and go and say, oh, I, I love you, Lord. I'm going to, boo. that was such a sermon. <clears throat> and go home on Monday and get up, go to work, not, not do it. <laughs> you know, we can all get glad for a minute. The question is, what will happen on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? See, the danger of lip service is, okay, well, I came to Mass. I mean, come on, what, what more does God want? I go to Mass, I say my rosary, um, I, 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 you know, I, I, I put some money in the poor box. What more does God want? And the answer is everything. God wants your heart. God wants my heart. And we can so reduce the faith to perfunctory observances that we don't look deeper and let God go deeper with us. There's a lot of reasons it's scary to go deeper. But the Lord is saying, don't just think that these beautiful things, and they are beautiful, and do them. But don't think that they're the end of religion. They're the beginning. They're the invitation. Come deeper. You and I, let's set out into the deeper waters. And let's look at what really ails you. And ails people that you love. Let's look deeper. And let's remember that these things, these beautiful things you do, are a way, they're really my gift to you. They're not your gift to me to buy me off so that now I don't have to worry about God. I've checked off the God box. And I don't think any of us are ever that cynical, but we can reduce the faith to small perfunctory observances and then we're, quote, done with it. St. John Vianney remarked, he says, many people think, I will pray to you, God, five minutes a day, and then I'm done with you. When St. Paul says, we should pray always. In other words, be in living, conscious contact with God. Let him begin to open up our heart and make us more and more aware of his presence at every moment. And so it is, these sins of the pious. I simply offer them to you by way of observance. I think that, again, these are human problems, but I think for those of us who are religiously observant, there's a special version of them that comes up. And a lot of it does come down to reducing the faith to certain externalities. And the externalities of this story was that a father had two sons. One seems to be a compliant and bowing and saying all the right things. And, 
and the other's ornery and resistant. And if the story just ends there, you say, see, there's a good people and there's bad people. Then you come to find out it's not that simple. And the story has a twist. And it's not that simple with each other either. Be very careful. Maybe one story to finish. Many years ago, not in this parish, I, heard, I overheard a woman speaking about another woman. And she says, oh, I wish I could be her. She has such a wonderful husband. He's every Sunday here at church with her. And they're three kids. And they're all well-behaved. And Oh, gosh. And they have such a beautiful home. And, you know, me, my husband is... He doesn't come, and he's, you know, and she had a whole list of complaints. And I happen to know through a counseling experience with this particular family that she was admiring that it wasn't all that pretty, and there were struggles, and that what seemed to be wonderful, in fact, had some pretty serious stuff going on. Now, of course, I couldn't say anything, but I learned in that moment that we tend to sort of idealize things or demonize things. And the reality is a little more mixed. And we all have our struggles and we all have our triumphs. We all have our gifts and we all have our struggles. And if we, I think, stay there and be honest and say, I better pray for myself and I better pray for everybody. Now, I always like to kid with you, you're all above average because you're at mass this morning, right? Yeah, right. But above average doesn't mean A+. Plus. <laughs> And it doesn't mean there isn't nothing going on. You might be, I, I was wonderful at writing and, you know, literature. I was terrible at math in school. So you see what I'm saying? We all, we all have our ups and downs. But at the end of the day, be careful. Be careful. Especially because many of the things we do and say in the faith have external things. But we know it's a lot deeper and it needs to be deeper. So, the sins of the pious by uh, in a parable from the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> well, let's, uh, let's stand now and uh, pray our creed together.